You'll right. have to interview me. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. I, I feel like I like, like, I always vent to you about what's happening in my life. Uh-huh. I like to talk about myself like that, but this kind of thing, I actually hate talking about myself. Yeah. And so, just help, prompt help you. me. Yeah. I'll prompt you. Yeah. Um, welcome to part two <laughs> <laughs> for Norman stories. Norman story. Damn um, it, this cheese. Of, of... Lauren and Reston's Mormon Eat stories. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All I can think of is the cheese. Oh, cheese We're... Can you eat the purple part? You can eat the purple part. Mm. You can eat the rind. Uh, we're losing our minds over this cheese. It's a Merlot. This cheese is... Uh, we're having cheese and blueberries Jesus. right now. <laughs> Jesus. We're investigating the church of cheeses, uh, yeah. cheese and rice of rattle day snakes. Oh, I've never heard about all these things. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. That's good. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just heard from me. Uh, <laughs> we, heard, we heard my... We just heard from me. Uh, it, I think it was a good guest. Uh, <laughs> our best guest. Loved it, yeah. Uh, yeah. Had all the best words. <gasps> and uh, and now we're doing we're doing Lauren's story. Okay. So... Um, Lauren's story. So let's just do the, the same thing. Uh, we're going to start off <laughs> with... Uh, at the beginning, okay. um, you know, did you grow up Mormon? What mm-hmm. was that like? You mm-hmm. know, uh, your family Mormon? Like, how, how far back? Do you know how far back your Mormon heritage goes? Are you, okay. a, are you a daughter of the Utah Pioneers? Uh, I'm a daughter of the Utah Jazz. I just don't like to bring it up because people get jealous. I always get tickets to stuff. Of course, of course. Yeah. Um, Actually, yeah, I have, like, strong pioneer stock in the church now that I think okay. about it, because my Swedish grandma, Farmore, mm-hmm. she joined the church, and that's why they left Sweden and came here, which I would love to talk to her more about that, what that was like. Uh, it's interesting, especially with, your like, your dad going to Sweden, and I know that it was difficult to convert people then. Yeah. Like, so insane. So why were there so many converts back then? Is that what you mean? Yeah, or just what did she feel? Like, I would just love mm. to get a personal story. Like, right. was she into it or just the parents were? And I know her brother, he stayed behind. He never came to the States. Yeah. Like, we always just joke about him. Like, we'll be at a family event and be like, well, Stieg, he missed out. <laughs> like, he's still over there. Wait, was he a member of the church? Did he also convert? No, that's what I'm saying. Like, okay. he was not about it. Mm-hmm. He just stayed in Sweden. So she just left her family. No, was I think it- the whole family came over. It was like her and the sister and the mom and stuff. It's like, okay, let's join the church and have this better life in America. Mm -hmm. Was she married when she came over? No, she's like 16 or 17. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, but she was Mormon, so. So the time was was nine? Is that what you'd say? (laughs) Yeah, well, I'm saying so it's it's not out of the the question. Right, right, right. Yeah. I mean, she was well in her prime by by a couple years by, by Bro Joe's standards. Oh my gosh, we need to talk later about Brojo. Oh, we, oh, we will. Yeah. Um, and then on my grandparents, my other grandparents, uh-huh. I call them my grandparents because the other one's far more and far, far, which is not interesting to anyone, but um, they were on the Martin, oh gosh, what is it? The hand cart, the, what is it called, Rose? Um, The St. Martin. No! In Guadalupe. Holy <laughs> Trinidad. <laughs> the, no. the Martin Willie hand cart company. That one. I have a whole book about it, pretty thick book, with pictures and everything. So when I did the trek, I went on the exact Mm -hmm. same route that they did, five days, Rocky Ridge. It's like kind of Wyoming turns into Colorado. Is that like Winter Quarters area? I'm not sure. It was just perfect because I lived in Colorado, so we drove up to Wyoming, and Uh that's exactly where, like, we saw little stakes where it said, like, 
you know, when part really how yeah, kind of car yeah, company. exactly. So, um, yeah, so family was always active growing up. Um, I feel like my dad always had like pretty high up callings. Mm-hmm. Like I remember when I was a teenager, him talking about having to do disciplinary counsels. Mm-hmm. Not not like him being the. What, do they call it a judge? No. No. Him presiding over one or something, maybe? Yeah. He wasn't ever a bishop growing up or stake president, but he was always in high council, I guess. Yeah. And, um, yeah. I so, just, so I don't know if you would preside over it or if you would just, just be present, be just be there. Yeah. yeah. They have a whole panel of people, and I don't know mm-hmm. why, because, well. Well, one does photos. Yeah. <laughs> one does, right? There's a signing. I right. Think. One one takes minutes. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. The other one translates. For the, the other is just a, a choreographer. Oh, that's what my dad did. That and one is craft services. Oh my gosh! Can you imagine? Kind of. <laughs> no, because that would be the woman. Yeah, the right, woman would be the craft. Right. Well, but they're not going to let them in the room. No, 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 no. That they table in there is far the too door. nice. Right. The women would leave the food outside the door, and then the men would. You know what I just realized? There's not a relief society room in the church. Like, I mean, there's a relief society room where they do their meetings or whatever, but mm-hmm. not, not a um, relief society presidency room. They don't have an office. There's no office for the relief society. Oh my gosh! There's no office. No, there's a high councilman's room with like the nicest, polished oak table that you've ever seen in your life. That's twelve feet long. Oh my gosh. Just work on your stuff at home if you're in Relief Society, I guess. Yeah, you guys can meet it, you know. I don't Deborah's, know. Deborah's, yeah. Have a play date with your kids and... Yeah. You know, while the, pizza kitchen, while the Rugrats are in the ball pit at Chuck E. Cheese, you guys can have a slice and, you know, talk about your, I don't know, Get activity days or whatever. Out. Wow. I've never thought about that. That's really interesting. Yeah. I'm sorry to distract no, you No, from, no, no. Not distracting this. at all. That's right. Okay. I find that to be really interesting. So... Um, so strong the church fan. So Father, the high, disciplinary high council thing struck me as odd because my dad was very abusive to us, like mm-hmm. emotionally and verbally, and was never close to him. Was always scared of him, and I just remember thinking he treats us like this in our house, but then he goes into this room and judges other people. Mm-hmm. And I and I was a teenager, and I think that was the first time I really started to feel some like cognitive dissonance. Like what? Like, aren't these people supposed to be, like, called of God? What's right. God's plan there? What's he thinking? Right. But And I suppose the, the, the true Blue Mormon answer to that is, well, we're called so that we can grow. Hmm. Yeah, Maybe I wouldn't have thought of that Maybe that's why he was time. called to yeah. serve on these councils of love so that he could grow to be a more so loving God. person, more merciful or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I never thought that, but that would definitely be an apologist answer. Yeah. And I never thought that on my mission or anything. It always just didn't make sense to me. Yeah. But other than that, growing up in our household, we did family home evening. I feel like, um, I'm thinking about it, like, I feel like music was very much something I associated with the spirit. Like, mm-hmm. I know probably everyone has that, but especially with, like, playing violin and, like, hymns and stuff. I don't want to say now that it was, like, manipulative, but now that I'm kind of thinking through this right now, like, I think that was a big part of the church for me was, like, these songs that I love because I love music and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. Like, that created a feeling or an emotion in my heart, and then that equals church is true. Of course. Mm -hmm. Of course. That's that's classic, classical conditioning, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Music is, you love the music. Uh Uh-huh. You do the music in church, uh-huh. so when you hear the music, you right. feel good. The music, right. the, the good feeling is associated with right. church, right? 
And even to this day when it's Sundays, because I have like my preset radio stations Mm -hmm. and one on Sundays turns to hymns. Mm -hmm. And as soon as you hear that organ or whatever, I'm taken back to mission. I'm taken back to childhood. And I'm just like, Mm -hmm. oh yeah, wait, I think I need to be listening to this. I think like this is good. It's still like pretty deeply rooted in me. Yeah. Um... So yeah, everything was groovy. I was like a pretty rebellious young woman, but looking back, I don't even know what I was rebelling against. Maybe kind of the culture of the church I wasn't digging. Mm -hmm. Um, Like sometimes I wouldn't stand up to say the young women's theme and I thought that was hilarious Uh and I thought I was really badass. Yeah. And then leaders would pull me aside and say like, Lauren, you're such a great girl. Like, why are you, you know, I don't know what their wording would be. Why are you like the other girls? I don't know. Why are you being a brat? And I remember distinctly one leader who I just, uh, I'm sorry, I really don't like this woman to this day, but she did this big dramatic meeting with me after like all of church had ended. It was just her and me in this big room where we had just had young women's and she was bawling and she was saying, you know, I just want you to be better and stop being like this. And I put your name on the temple roll. And that was the first time I'd heard of the temple roll. And I was mm-hmm. just like, okay, well, what is that? And like, what did I do? What do I... Don't you usually get the temple roll of sushi? Yeah. No! <laughs> I, we need to make... Uh, our, our, an our X-Women sushi place. place. Of course. Yeah. 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 Okay. And you know what I did? I w- just walked out. Okay. So you didn't, so you didn't feel bad. No. No, you were, you were just, but I mean, you, I, blew, it, you blew her off. Yeah. Like as she's talking to me, I just left the room okay. and that was a very weird memory I have. I don't know if I went home that Sunday and told my mom what happened. I don't mm-hmm. know if I never spoke about it to anyone until you right now. I yeah. just was like, eh, I'm out. So, so do you think that that was about the church though? Or do you think that, because I know, my attitude, well, because I, I, I know your personality, it very much fits your person, not walking out on people, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, but just being a nonconformist okay. for sure. And, and, you know, bucking social norms oh, and finding okay. that very entertaining. Oh, oh okay. That, that's right. very much you. So oh, okay. not standing up for the young women's values. Okay. That's, I mean, that's, that's typical Lauren. Okay. Right. Um, because I so, also sometimes wouldn't stand for the Pledge of Allegiance at school. So I don't, you're right. right. It's not a right. church thing. It's, it's a just nonconformist. A, yeah. Uh, you, you, you examine society, right? <laughs> yes, yeah, you yeah. Learn a little more than, you, you question it more than. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. People not don't questioning question doctrine, not questioning that stuff. Uh-huh. It wasn't that deep, but yeah, exactly. It's just kind maybe of like, a, why do we do a, this kind of a thing? Yes. Yeah. And um, I had just thought of another supposedly rebellious thing I did, but it left my mind. What else were we talking about? She puts my name on the prayer roll. Oh, seminary mm. was just the bane of my existence, which most of it is due to it being early in the morning, right? I'm in mm-hmm. Colorado. This is at, I don't know, is it 6 a.m.? Yeah, I guess. Well, I don't know. I mean, you didn't, you didn't have release yeah. time. I always had release time. Right, so. right. So my personality is I really, really, truly struggle with mornings. Like what? I really feel like it's like... <laughs> Get out. Like, you? I, I swear this is like <laughs> biological. I, I've tried my best. The best I ever did was on my mission and I did not sleep in on my mission, but uh-huh. I just struggle with it. So of course I'm not digging getting up at this time. I don't really care what you're teaching me. Yeah. And had a lot of attitude about that. It kind of decreased. It was, And I just found my seminary grades rest in. My oh. freshman teacher says Lauren is an excellent student. She has a spirit with her. She's fun or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I don't have the grades from the other years, but they would not have been that. <laughs> Second year, I start, and me and my friends would go to Starbucks. We wouldn't get coffee. 
Right. So this is, again, the fake rebellion, right? right? of course. We're driving away. It's so fun. We can drive now. We're driving to Starbucks mm-hmm. um, instead of seminary. Mm-hmm. And that teacher, she would be like, she pulled me aside once, and she's like, I'll, I'm, I want to have you do some makeup work so you can keep up with the class. Um, you're going to go to www.ces.com. And I'm like, okay, I'm probably, like, tired. So and you went to www.ces.com. <laughs> and that's it. Thank you for tuning in to Lauren and Mormon Stories. <laughs> no, um, I think I just... I didn't respond to her or something Mm -hmm. because I was tired. And she goes, I can tell you're not getting this. And that was our relationship. Like, I felt like she belittled me and I was like annoyed by her. Like, I'm not getting this. It was three letters. I gotcha. That seems a very strange thing to say. It was very, I I remember it so distinctly, so distinctly. And so that turned me off. Um, and then junior year, I think was my last year. I don't even think I went as a senior in junior year. I had a teacher that I hated even more. Suddenly it's a podcast that people Lauren hates. I don't hate anyone. There were a lot of people in the Mormon church that I struggled with. Now uh-huh. that I look back, it just was not a, we butted heads it, quite a bit. It was not your tribe necessarily. Not my tribe. No. Yeah. And, um, this teacher, he put on a video about BYU football. So I'm already uninterested. Right. It's not my jam. Yeah. But on top of that, it's like, it doesn't really teach you anything. And it started going into these weird things about how the players pray before games and they really feel that God cares about like the outcome about and stuff. Football? About football. And I had this. And this re- is all sucking Lauren in, right? This is. Right. Oh, dude. This is We're hook, line, stats. and sinker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I had this badass friend, Claire. I love her. We'd always talk about how we we're going to go to college and grow out dreadlocks. Uh-huh. She really just always encouraged me to just, like, do whatever. Oh, she's freaking awesome. And I kept looking at her. I'm like, we're just going to watch this? And she's like, she's like, no, it's dumb, right? She's kind of egging me on. So I get up and turn the TV off. <gasps> yeah, it's one of my brother's favorite stories of mine. I just didn't care. I just you went. turned the TV off in seminary? Yeah. Yeah, I would do that stuff all the time. Oh, it was the teacher in the room? Yeah. It was oh, an yeah. active watching thing? It was not... Yes. No, it wasn't like a sub or something. Yeah, I'm telling you, as a teenager, I'd have random spurts of rebellion where I wouldn't care what the hell anyone thought. Yeah. And I would just go for it. Or I'm having trouble <laughs> imagining this. Why? I I'm dance just around tr- public establishments. That is totally different. That is totally no, different. No, it's the nonconformist stuff. Uh, I mean, all of that I can imagine. All of that I, yeah. I appreciate. <laughs> uh, not that I don't appreciate this. I absolutely <laughs> right. love it. Yeah. But... But to stand up in front of a class, like, that is such a bold move. Yeah. That it's just, like, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Would, would, excuse me, would never occur to most people. Huh, yeah. Anyway, I love it. Yeah. Oh, I loved it, too. Oh, tell me about the reaction to that. What was... I kind of blocked it out. I don't really know. Okay. I can't really... Re- it was such a rush. Sure, I looked over uh, to my well, friend, and she was giving me the thumbs up or smile or yeah, something. And yeah. So I had her on my side, you right. know? Right. I'm sure every social situation, when you do things like that in public, like, adrenaline rush, Extreme. massive. Yeah, yeah. Massive. Yep. Like, you get that when you confront a rude person in yeah, public. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. A same. rude boy. A rude boy. <laughs> a rude boy. Every time you confront a rude boy, <laughs> you get adrenaline. And, um, but I'd argue with this teacher all the time. I mean, looking back now, like, uh, gosh, we just did not butt heads one... I mean, this doesn't really have to do with Mormonism, but one day we were laughing about Anchorman, and he goes, I love how you kids think, um, no, it was The Office. He goes, I love how you kids think The Office is so funny, yet you've never had a job at an office. He was very condescending Mm, like that. mm -hmm. I said, do you think Anchorman's funny? Because that's the funny movie of the time. He's like, yeah. And I was like, were you ever an Anchorman? (laughs) So this guy, I would just stand up to him all the time like that. It's insane. I I think it's weird that people are so obsessed with um, the Nephites when they've never been in ancient Israel. (laughs) You know? 
I've, ne- I've never built a boat directed by the Lord. But Why you're do these people? <laughs> right. So dumb. So yeah, I would do whatever I wanted in that sense. Yeah. And then. Uh, but but uh, just to clarify, that yeah. didn't that didn't have to do with your testimony of the gospel, which was which no, was no, I just hated Mormons and or, I, or which was just normal for a teenager. You had a normal teenager normal. testimony. I have a lot say. of journal entries talking about spiritual experiences, mm-hmm. so I feel like I would have these big bursts of spiritual experiences. I'd write them down, and like a lot of people, that's what sustains you, right? You just have these waves in life, right? Of course, it's not always strong. It's not always low. It's just of course. It's I not think a... the church's programs are great. And I actually still kind of support them because I think they helped me as a teen and as a kid. And mm-hmm. and I think those programs would help me to have those experiences. So I'd hang on. and just... mm-hmm. So you did EFY? Did EFY three or four years in a row, different mm-hmm. location each time, awesome experience each time. I went to California, Arizona, because I think they weren't in Colorado wow. or something. I'd always participate in the talent show. One thing that I will say about <clears throat> like testimony stuff is I never bore my testimony. I thought that was kind of pressure-y, mm-hmm. great word, but I wasn't about it. Mm-hmm. And I'm never bored at girls camp. I never bored at EFY, even though I had great experiences. And I think I'd be like sitting there teary-eyed or crying, but I just... Sure. You just didn't feel the need. Yeah, I didn't. You didn't feel like you had the thing to share that... Yeah. I would either was... overthink it like I had to say some amazing thing. Sure. Or it was just going to sound like everybody else's. and th- But that's kind of how my mind works. Like, Right, of course. Uh, nonconformist. Yeah. <laughs> We're discovering a lot about my <laughs> M.O. Your personality, but... Um, but yeah. N- yeah, interesting. N- nothing that should shock anybody that knows you. <laughs> right. Um, so, yeah, never bore my testimony but had it. And then I'm trying to think where to go next. I guess then it was kind of time to go to college, and I remember... My mom wanted me to be no less than eight hours away, and I wanted to go to Washington. I thought I was going to go no to Puget Sound. No less than eight hours away? No, more than. Okay. Wait, no more than eight hours away. She yeah, wanted yeah. you to be eight hours or closer. <laughs> yeah. Within eight hours. Okay. She wanted to get me she eight wanted... hours further. <laughs> Third world country, if possible. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, very dangerous. She didn't want... Yeah. She canceled the health insurance, took me off the mm-hmm. will. She spoke with the dean at um, Guantanamo Bay. <laughs> they have a great program. I got a viola scholarship there. Okay. Um, the orchestra is surprisingly good at Guantanamo. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I thought I'd go to Puget Sound. I thought I'd go somewhere far away. And, of course, she's, like, ushering me towards Utah schools. I don't know. I guess, yeah, probably for religious aspects. But mm-hmm. also it was close. Mm-hmm. I wasn't going to go to some $40,000 school in Colorado. Right. In Utah, school is cheap. Yeah. Like, it is accessible. Yeah. And so, but this is when I was being pretty rebellious, and I wanted dreadlocks, and so she just let me see all the schools and didn't push me towards any of them, and I ended up liking Dixie State, and so then I just told her a lot after the trip, like, a few weeks after, like, yeah, like, it's fine. I guess I want to go there. Uh-huh. So, like, I guess I'm living in Utah, which is weird for me because I'm from Colorado my whole life. And, and you uh, never wanted, did you ever want to live in Utah? Did you ever Oh, consider... I wanted to be as far from it as possible. Right. I was embarrassed by the thought of it. But yeah. there I went. I got a Viola scholarship, so there I was going. And then I got there, and then that was, I think that, like, aside from right before my mission, that was, like, my most Mormon... Time of my life. I mean, I got so involved in the singles ward. I had two callings. I got my patriarchal blessing, which no one had ever told me to get as a teenager. I, I had the same experience. Yeah. Patriarchal no blessings. No one told me. Yeah. I, I got mine right before my mission because I had to get it right before my mission because I guess somebody realized, oh. He doesn't He doesn't have, have that. But 
to me, that just like fit the whole thing with my ward where no one told me about <laughs> anything. And like, you know, I'm surprised I got the priesthood, you know? Wow. <laughs> also, think about how different your mission would have been had you not got your patriarchal blessing. I thought you were going to say, just... had I not had the priesthood. Well, probably that, yes. No, I had to have the priesthood because I was the only priest in the ward. Right. So I had to bless and pass mm-hmm. and prepare the sacrament. All the time. That's very weird. Yeah. Sounds so you weird. got your patriarchal blessing. Got my patriarchal blessing. How did you feel about that? Um. You just got it from the stake patriarch, like your your singles stake? At Dixie? Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. At his house. Mm-hmm. I didn't have family or friends there with me or anything. Mm-hmm. I think it was just I don't know if the that's, patriarch. But th- is that normal? I have no idea. I think maybe people's parents come with them sometimes. Yeah. But, <clears throat> yeah. Um, patriarchal blessing. I mean, I liked it. I think I wrote it to my mom right away, but I, I didn't really like absorb anything from it. Like, oh, now I need to do this. It's just like another step in Mormondom. Like, okay, now I got that. I guess. Right. Right. Yeah. It was a box that you ticked. Did yeah. you ever go back to it? I mean, how, how often did you refer to it? Did you take it on your mission? Did you? I took it on my mission. Were there things in there that you were looking for? Or did you, let, let me ask. Yeah. Did you plan your life in any way no. based on? Okay. No, and but I will say, like, even maybe six months ago, one a small thing keeping me holding on to the church is the fact that in my patriarchal blessing, it says I'll be a missionary. Mm-hmm. And when I read it to my mom at the time, I was like, what is this? And she was like, oh, well, patriarchal blessings, they can mean a lot of things, so it probably just means you'll do missionary work. Because it was like, without her and I both saying it, it was just like, we both knew I wouldn't go on a mission. Sure. It just wasn't me. Yeah. And so we were just like, oh, yeah, blah, blah, blah. And so that's so weird to me. And then I thought, Wow. I kept skipping over that part when I was, like, a teenager, young 20s, and then when I was preparing for my mission, I, like, clung to that part. I was like, wow, like, God knows me. Right. He knows I would change my mind and go on a mission. Yeah. And actually, still to this day, I can't really explain that. I find it to be really interesting. Yeah. Because, I mean, it wasn't as common for girls to go on missions, so I don't know why the patriarch no, de- would say that. definitely wasn't. It was before the, it was before the age yeah, change, before. before all of that. <laughs> and I didn't say anything to the patriarch, like, I want to serve a mission, but maybe I Did, said I like teaching or something because I've always loved teaching the gospel just like yeah. you. Always had teaching callings. Yeah. I've loved giving talks just like you. It's just, it's our jam. Mm-hmm. So maybe if I said something like that, he would think, of sure, course. Or what do you think? No, I absolutely, I, I absolutely think that. I think that's what the interview beforehand is, is, um, right. is for. Right. You know, I put a, he asked me about a lot of stuff that uh, mysteriously ended up, oh, hi, that's, that's mm-hmm. in the blessing. Yeah. And only that stuff and nothing that I didn't already know or nothing that, I mean, yeah. my blessing was, was dreadful. It was, it was yeah. so boring right, anyway. Right. But, um, I mean, the most exciting thing, of course, was my, the, my favorite hotel was in there. <laughs> the Four <laughs> the Seasons. The Four Seasons, yeah. But. Yeah. Okay. So, so that was Dixie time. That was Dixie, Dixie time. And then, and then I guess, so I dated, I started dating this guy pretty seriously and like pretty much living with him. And so then the church attendance just went down. We didn't really go. And when I have these periods in my life where I don't go to church, I completely block it out. And in my mind, I always think I was active in the church. Mm-hmm. But later a roommate Carly helped me realize like, no, like you're looking at the situation differently because it happened again when I moved up to Provo and she's like, no, you, n- you never went. 
And she said, I remember once when you gave a prayer and she was like so proud that I'd been to church. But in my mind, it's just like, since I am Mormon, it's like, oh yeah, like I go to church, but I really wasn't going. Right. Not for any doctrinal thing, just kind of like sleeping in on Sundays, hanging out with the guy, just spending our time doing other stuff, I guess. Mm -hmm. But not doubting anything mm -hmm. at all. Okay. Um, and then, so this guy, he, he hadn't gone on a mission, but he was like older. He was older than me. I was like 18 or 19 and he was 21, I want to say. And he kept promising that he would go on a mission. And this was something I really wanted for him. And then it just dragged on and on and on and he never went. So I broke off the relationship pretty mm -hmm. much because of that. Okay. So I definitely wanted to get married in the temple. Yeah. To an RM, I guess. That sounds yeah. so elitist looking back. Well, like, of, of course it does. I can't even believe that was me. Of course it does, because of course it was. But that was all that we, that was all you could consider. I that guess. I want to give my old self more credit that I'd be like, but there could be good guys that haven't gone on missions. But I don't know if I thought that way. I don't know. I can't yeah. really remember. Yeah. He, he definitely wasn't worthy for me to marry until he had gone on this mission, apparently, because I mm -hmm. broke it off. So that's sad. Yeah. He never did go. Yeah. He never did go. Um, then what else? Then I move up here to Provo. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I don't know, just waves of going up and down. And like I said, the inactive thing. And then the guy followed me up here. Okay. His more on and off. Mm -hmm. And, and then this, the, our bishop, so the boyfriend moves in next door to me. And the bishop decides it's my goal to get down on a mission. So I am now suddenly some spiritual gatekeeper or something, and I'm supposed to get this guy on a mission. Yeah. How do I get him to do that? Yeah. I already tried that for a year in a different city. It's not going to work. It's this, own, it's this person's will, you know? Well, you withhold physical affection. That's... Oh, you're right. That's how you manipulate every guy. That's, <laughs> that's just how... I how, thought of that. That's just how guys work. Gosh, I can't believe this stuff looking back. Mm -hmm. I really liked the bishop. He's a really good guy. Mm -hmm. But I just remember he had this journal because he was older, so he could remember what was going on with all of us. Which, by the way, every bishop needs to do that because I've had so many that keep asking me the same things yeah. over and over. Mm -hmm. Well, I'll write it down. Yeah. So he'd write it down and he'd be like, oh, where are we at? Okay, you got to help Dan, blah, blah, blah. And I remember, like, he was telling us it's good for Dan to have a girlfriend while he's on the mission. And then something would happen, like, Dan would, like, go home for the summer or something, and then a different bishop, it's like you're saying with the roulette, he would say, like, no, you shouldn't have a girlfriend. This is yeah. distracting. Yeah. So we were always just so confused. Such a confusing time in my life. <clears throat> Not knowing what to do or... The future was just so unclear with church, with everything. But, yeah, that was pretty rough. Can't did really... you Did you take that seriously, the assignment from the bishop to... To get down yes. on a mission? <clears throat> yes, because at my friend Carly's farewell, I remember I, I finally thought he was going to go, and I pulled the bishop aside, and I was so excited. I said, guess what? Dan's going to go. And he gave me a hug, and he said, that's so great. You you helped him. I cannot believe until I'm talking this through right now how much of it was like placed on me. Mm -hmm. And what the hell did I do? Nothing. Right. Just bugged him about it. Probably right. nagged him a lot. Yeah. Made him feel bad, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Why did he have to go? He didn't need to go if he didn't want to. Yeah. So that was that. And so that went until when? 
then I feel like I finally kind of broke that off and then was in Harmonville, okay. where you and I met. Mm-hmm. <coughs> and um, then it was like finally the end of that relationship, which was just like, I don't know, maybe in total three years or maybe four with on and off. So this is like, you know, a huge part of my life. Mm-hmm. And I just remember I was so depressed. I was always calling my friends or my mom just bawling and no one... No one really got what I was feeling. Yeah. And I would even, like, pray and stuff, but I was just like, nothing is, like, curing this depression. I just, mm-hmm. ugh, I just want to die. And until one night, I, like, pulled my scriptures out. I'd never read them. They were, like, literally dusty. I'd always tell this story on the mission. And read something in First Nephi or something dumb and suddenly felt peace and suddenly felt like I didn't need to, like, cry and be so depressed and stuff. So I don't know if it was from that night, but kind of started deciding maybe I should go on a mission. I mm-hmm. guess because that experience was so strong. I don't know why that experience didn't just mean, okay, start going to church again. But right. I don't know. Yeah, it's 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 so strange. I mean, we are, we, we're told and we're conditioned to assign so much meaning mm-hmm. to these experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have a good experience while, while doing anything gospel or church related, mm-hmm. you're, you're told that it means something. Right, and so right, of right, course right. you have to interpret what this is, what this means. And and you know I've experienced this myself, and I've seen this exact thing in mm-hmm. the lives of many other people. You know, including you know other girls who who have gone back and forth on are they going to go on a mission? Are they not going to go on a mission? Yeah. And every new thing that happens, every feeling that they get is an omen. Is or an a... omen? Yeah. 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 Is, is some kind of prompting that they have to interpret. Yes. But it's so hard to interpret. And I, yeah. see, and I see people go through, and I'm sure this was the case with you, but, you know, doubting your interpretation of it and stuff, it's just yeah. so unclear. So but clear. you're told that it has to mean something. Yeah. And, you know, it, the options really are, are limited. Yeah. You know, and so That's eventually it has to mean I have to go on a mission. Right. It's not going to mean I'm going to get married. I have to go on a mission or, like, I need to get married. But that was not that on the table That doesn't make any right sense. Then. Yes. Yes. And so it's like, well, what could it be? You know? Wow. I yeah. can't... Mission? <laughs> like, that's the other oh, man, big, I wish that was recorded. That's the other big badge that you have to right? put on. Totally. So, yeah. Yeah. Even though I'd never thought of that in my life. And I think I was 22. Mm-hmm. I think I was 22 years old. So, I mean, I was in school. Mm-hmm. I had I had never thought about going on a mission. It was yeah. laughable. But, I had one person come to my mission farewell because they thought I was kidding. Yeah. Truly, he thought I was trolling, and that's why he showed up to the chapel. That's that's incredible. That's <laughs> yeah. ins- I think you've told me that before. Yeah. That's so crazy. Yeah. Do you think that, I mean, I, I don't know. I feel like people know themselves pretty well for the most part, and I think sometimes there, there are things in life where people feel like they should do something that is not in their character or they've hmm. never wanted to do, but I think those are the exception rather than the rule. But I think the church really makes people do things that are not in their character mm. and feel like they're supposed to. Yeah, like calling. It's supposed like, to make you grow. Like it's supposed to stretch you. Yeah. Right. The other thing I wanted to ask about that experience mm-hmm. where you read the scriptures mm-hmm. and, and things kind of changed, your pivotal moment. Yeah. Um, how, well, just I, the, the reason that I asked this is, is not, I, I don't doubt your moment, but yeah. I doubt my own moments. Mm. I doubt my own pivotal moments. Like I told you how I, I read the scriptures and I prayed that night mm-hmm. before my mission and then mm-hmm. I gained my testimony or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought about that and I, I, you know, when you said there was a story you told on your mission, mm-hmm. that was a story I told on my mission. Okay. Yeah. And the more you tell these stories, 
it, it's like how we've talked about. Every time we remember something, mm-hmm. we erase the memory of yep. it we had before, and, and we, we create a, a new memory. Yep. Yes, and it's going to be a little bit different. So do you think it's possible <laughs> that that pivotal moment wasn't quite as pivotal, pivotal as you thought or not quite as significant or, or it got sort mm-hmm. of embellished in your brain? Is it Because I, I feel that way about mine. Mm-hmm. It Certainly it was, it was a, an important moment for me. Yeah. But I feel like I've built it up into, and that's when I gained a testimony. Okay. When probably it was like, oh, I just felt kind of nice. Felt, yeah, <laughs> right, right. I don't know. I, I definitely remember just feeling so peaceful and, okay. like, done with, like, crying and just the hysterics yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Um, so that part's not embellished. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't know if I could say. And I don't know if it was my Spanish or what, but when I would tell the story, I think it did become more and more dramatic because, like, one time these members were like, I'm not a best. Were you really engaged to this guy and all this stuff? And I was just like, yes. Or something. You know, like, yeah, no, we weren't engaged, blah, blah, blah. So I don't know, maybe that part of the story a little bit. But I don't know. I think I really, really did feel peaceful when I read that verse. I mm-hmm. remember it very distinctly. Okay. And I don't know why. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, so you had that, and then so you yeah. decided that you should I be working towards a mission. Go on a mission. So I go to see our bishop, mm-hmm. and he says, "If you want to go on a mission, you should probably go to church." Again, I'm delusional. I think I'm active. Right. So that's my first step: is I have to go every Sunday. Yeah. And a lot of it is the morning stuff. Mm-hmm. So Lisa and Felicia would drag me through rain and snow. Like I re- do. You remember the walk from the park, the BYU parking lot to the yes. building? Yeah. It was awful in the winter, wasn't it? Yeah. Like, truly, it was terrible. There was one week that I ended up just turning around because it's all ice. Ugh. And and like girls are in heels, yeah. so I'm just like, yeah. no, I'm not doing this. <laughs> and I remember I'd always sit in the top. Well. Yeah, I don't know how it worked with Elisa and Felicia, but I have a lot of memories of being alone, sitting in the back, schlumping, arms folded, grumpy Lauren, like, making eye contact with the bishop, like, do you see? Like, I'm here. Yeah. And, like, why so grumpy about it? The goal is to go on a mission. Yeah. So Where are you going to be? <laughs> Where are you going to relax? <laughs> right, yeah. right. But, and then I would go to the mission prep, I think, he, and then he gave me the calling of, like, fellowshipping people which I had been fellowshipped quite a bit in that ward. Mm -hmm. And looking back, so much of it was social. Like, my testimony was just that people were including me and stuff. Like, a lot of it was just shaped by that. Lisa and Felicia, two friends of mine, took me under their wing. They dragged me to stuff lovingly, and we became friends. And then I had, like, a lot of people in that ward really looked after me. Like, the young women's president, she'd, like, take me out to, like, get treats. The elders corn president, Jethro, he was awesome. He'd always tell me what the mission would be like and stuff. Like, people just took care of me so well in that ward. And so that really hyped up the the excitement for my mission. And I wonder what it would have been like in, like, kind of a dud ward. Mm -hmm. Like, I think a lot of my testimony really was those good feelings I was having of camaraderie and, like, friendship. Yeah. How much of how much of your mission was like that? I mean, how much of the work and the converting that you did on your mission mm-hmm. do you think was more friendshipping and fellowshipping than yeah than gospel preaching? Yeah, I think I think with my my converts, they're all my they're my like close friends. Like not in the sense that like your converts become your friends, but, th- like, a lot of mine are teenage girls because mm-hmm. we just, like, laugh hysterically together, like, until yeah. we cried. Yeah. Like, these are girls that I would just hang out with no matter what because I think they're, like, fun, like, they're cool. Right. And so I think that's that's a huge part of it. I have three, like, teenage girl converts. They don't go to church anymore, but, like, mm-hmm. 
we liked hanging out. That wasn't why I was teaching them. But do you know what I mean? Like, no, I'm trying course. to answer the question the of best course, I can. Of course, of course. I think that is for Oh, but also with the preparing for my mission, mm -hmm. it was a very weird experience because it kept getting delayed and delayed and delayed. Mm. And I found a, an email recently that I wrote to my cousin and I said, I said, um, <clears throat> my bishop keeps kind of putting off my mission stuff and I don't know if I want to go, but my mom is putting so much pressure on me. Wow. And that was verbatim. And my mom, just to be clear, she didn't put pressure on me at any time in my life to go on a mission. It was just once I told her this was a goal. Yeah. Then she was really pushing. Yeah. Her son didn't go on a mission. She has two kids. I'm the eldest. Mm -hmm. She's a single mom. So this is like something to really be proud of. Of you course. Know? And so, yeah, I was like, until I read that email, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's right. She was always calling and texting and being like, what's going on with this? What's going on with that? And it would like push me away from the idea. And so my mom played a big role in me going on a mission too. So it's definitely a huge part of it. And then I had weird things like getting arrested. That delayed it more. Mm -hmm. Like it ended up being, I think, maybe a year or something. Maybe six months of prepping, and then I got my call, and I had to wait six more months. Okay. So, yeah, it was, yeah. But <clears throat> on the mission, I feel like I was just like you would like, not just like you, I didn't study giants. <laughs> but the study part I loved so much. Like mm -hmm. I feel like we're bookworms. I loved learning about that stuff. I'd never read the Book of Mormon. Mm -hmm even close to in its entirety. Yeah. I'd read a few chapters. Yeah. And uh, loved the New Testament, still really do. I didn't really get into Old Testament. I loved Jesus the Christ. Yeah. That book yeah. is amazing. And that's all I read because I feel like that's kind of what we were allowed to read. But, mm -hmm. but yeah. But, I mean, the mission, I, like, I would never regret that. Yeah. I don't think a lot of ex-Mormons would. It's a really amazing time in your life for, like, growth. Right. No matter. Right, exactly. What. No matter what you're doing, no matter what you're out doing. Yeah. You know, and I've always said every 18, 19 year old American oh. should should go should go do to something. another country. Oh, okay. Yeah, and, and do something. That's a good rule. Whatever it is. I mean, even if you're just traveling, but it should yeah. be something where you're living with the people and not. Okay. That's a good rule. Yeah, I and, and that's something I'm gonna want. Yeah. My kids to do. Right, right, right. Not go on missions, but. Uh, but something. Missions, trips, built homes. <laughs> right. <laughs> and your kids are 12 and 13, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they are. That's awesome. Yeah. How's Josh? Who? Josh. Josh? Yeah. My cousin? No, your 13-year-old son. I don't think... Brandon? <laughs> what? This is embarrassing for you. <laughs> what? How many times... You hang out with Brandon all the time. Oh, Sorry. Does he still call himself Josh? <laughs> <laughs> we forbade him from doing that. Uh, why would he call himself that? I, I don't know. That's what we were trying to answer. You're going to have to have a family council. He said, he said that's his... <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Anyway, Rosalind doesn't have kids. Um, one thing that I just thought of with, I think, what you were just about to say is um, I have never liked the temple. Yeah. And hope a bolt of lightning doesn't come through this recording room. Uh-huh. And... Because we lose the audio, first of all. First of all, yeah. We got some great stuff. Um, did not like it. Didn't feel the spirit there. Yeah. Talk about your first time going to the temple. <sighs> Who is it with? Like, were you with family? I had so were many friends? friends show up. Okay. Such a good support system, but mm -hmm. good hell, like. How prepared do you do you feel like you were? For not, it? and I took to, I took temple prep twice through because my mission was delayed so long. I'd gone through the, all the curriculum twice, rested. 
to the point where I was pretty much like half teaching it my second time. Yeah. And then you get there and it's just like, and I, one of the things I always remember from my endowment day is the, is while we're all like going into our seats, one of the matrons, is that what you call mm-hmm. them? Yeah. Saying, t- saying to my mom, this is a big payday for mom. Yeah. I remember that. <laughs> that has always bothered me. This is a big payday? I didn't even like that back then. I didn't yeah. know what that implied. Like, I want my mom to be proud of me for graduating college or, I don't know, just doing cool stuff. And to me, it didn't feel like you should go to the temple because it's a payday. Because now she's a success. That's what it was, too. Now she's a successful yeah. mother. Her child is saved. <laughs> right, 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 right. And what did I do to get in there? Just not have sex? Like, what have you really accomplished? N- nothing. <laughs> nothing. And, yeah, and you know so little going in. You know so little. Yeah. And you, you can't even say that the covenants that you make in the temple are a big accomplishment or a big, or, right. or a big decision to make because at that point they are not a decision. Right. How yeah. many people have walked out when they give you a chance to walk out? I don't know. I'd love to know. I, I'd love to know, too, but I, I've they never don't seen have anyone. Those no, Either. no, of course not. Of course, of course not. But it's it's got to be virtually nobody. Yeah, you know? I remember. There's um, so much pressure once you're in there. Yeah, to no, just you're do it, especially in. if you're there with your with your guide. You know, yeah, got a little yeah. guide pin. It's your mom. It's your dad. Um, you know, your whole family's there. You're not gonna walk out. No, they all did it. They all did yeah, it, and they're yeah. fine. See, yeah. so. You know, and maybe the other covenants are going to be a little bit less extreme. They're all extreme. <laughs> anyway. Um, when I got to the celestial room, I remember I was just, I just like, my mom was like, do you have any questions? And I said, I said, like, do I have to pray in that new way now? Because it's called oh, the yeah. true The true order, order of prayer. And she said, no. And that was a moment of cognitive dissonance, too, because I was like, so what then why does that we mean? Do What's it the here? true order? True? True where? Like in heaven? Or what right. is it? I, I, don't, right. I still don't get it to this day. Why don't we pray that way? I don't know. I have so many issues like that with the temple. That could be a whole episode. But uh, yeah, didn't like it. And I think it goes in with the, and yeah, this the, we'll save this for the new episode, but with the temple not fitting, being so out of place with the church and the gospel. Oh, yeah. Cut oh, from different that. cloth. Yep. Um, and then in the MTC, I was very close. We had six of us girls. We're all still close friends because we all went to the same mission, which is pretty rare when you're in the MTC classes together to all go to the same mission. We all ended up being companions. Usually you branch off to different missions. I guess that's probably true. It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't true for me. I, all the Dutch oh, elders right, are going right, to go right. to the Dutch place. Gotcha, gotcha, But gotcha. Spanish, I'm Spanish, sure that's true, yeah. yeah. And, and all girls and stuff. It's just, yeah. But we, um, when we'd go to the temple, we'd come back and we'd sit on our beds and just literally talk about how weird it was and how we didn't understand it. And I would always kind of go off on these rants and I'd uh-huh. be like, what is this where you can only ask questions in the temple? Who? And I still to this day want to know that. Like Who in the celestial room, do you go up to one of the matron people and go, okay, I'm confused about this part of the ceremony. Can you explain it? And then what? Is she going to sit me down and explain it? I still, I have so many unanswered questions. I think most people, when they've ever had the opportunity to ask questions in temple, it's it's because they've arranged an interview with the temple president okay. or the temple matron, like in their office. Wow, in I want to do that. I know. So that's a thing you can do. 
I, I mean, yes. Yeah. Okay. I think you might have to, it might be a thing where like you have to know somebody or, you know, hmm. have a CES director recommend you or something like that. But, hmm. but you know, if you made enough noise and, you know, mm-hmm. talk to your state president and talk to, you know, yeah, I'm sure you could huh. get it arranged. Yeah, and that's an answer my mom has given me when I'm going off on rants. Like, why don't you ask your stake president or your temple president about it? Yeah. Like, yeah, I guess. I guess. I guess I just never did that stuff. I never understood how I was supposed to ask these things. And it, I had so many questions. Yeah, and it does seem strange that there's only these certain key points where you're allowed to ask questions and key people that you're allowed to ask questions from. Like, yeah. Eh, I don't know. I just feel like truth should be more accessible. Right. And I thought that's the kind of stuff we would talk about in temple prep. Like, so then once I'd gone through, I'm like, wait, why isn't that the time where you're asking about it? Right. So bizarre. Yeah. And I did like doing baptisms. It, I find the endowment stuff to be really, really, really bizarre. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm not well, into it. Baptisms for the dead fit into the gospel. Right. They just, they fit in. Yeah. Unlike the endowment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally. Um, okay. Um... <laughs> Yeah, so uh, you prepared for your mission. You went on your mission. I went on my mission. Anything more on the the mission? Um, I don't think so. I I love the mission. It's great. And I was ready to come home. I was ready to come home. Where where did you go? I went to Puebla, Mexico, southern Mexico. It's very rainy. I was in my raincoat and boots most of the time. And it's super awesome. Had really good companions. I don't think I ever had any, like, real doubts or anything like that. Mm Mm-hmm. I wanted to come home and continue the scripture study. I remember having a really serious conversation with my mom about, I need to be studying this much time a day or whatever, yeah. and I need to be going to the temple. You know, you set the goals with your of mission course. president at the end. And so. I never did that. Oh, yeah, that's right. I just I found out that you didn't do that. I had to set my own goals. All right, the pity party. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so, my, my mission president was was not very hands-on just because of the logistics of the mission. Exactly, exactly. And I just found that out, and that made me sad. But ours, mine is like a dad to me. And he he also asked if, I talked about this in one of my gender classes in a paper, but if I had an athletic, is that what it was? A strapping athletic man waiting at home for me? Very weird. Wait, I'm sorry. I, I, I sorry. I know. I think I jumped in my mind. I'm talking about my final meeting with him, where he set goals. He also yeah, asked if I like asked strapping. you. He asked if you had a strapping athletic man waiting for you. Yeah, I want to say he used the word athletic, and I'm not into like athletic guys, so yeah. I'm just like, no. Yeah. On all counts, there's <laughs> no one waiting, and I'm not going to date a football player if that's what you want me to do. Uh-huh. Very weird. And he told me to go to the temple law, and he had these very specific instructions about things we were supposed to do after the mission. And I, I mean, I don't want to put him down at all or anything like that. Like, but now looking back, these specific things he wanted us to do, it was like, go to the celestial room. And then like, you're supposed to spend an hour, like thinking about your mission. Then you're supposed to go another time and spend an hour, like writing about it or something. Mm -hmm. Then the third time you're supposed to like, right. Like I'm thinking it's kind of weird now. And I, I'm feeling guilt in my gut saying that. So I don't know if this is like bad, but it's just kind of weird looking back. But I remember that was like scripture to me, you know, like, okay, so that's Mm -hmm. what I'm doing. And then I think the third time was like, you go to the temple and then you set goals for the future. So it was like his way of trying to get us to like, Love the mission, accept it for what it was, and then move on to our next goal. Yeah, which which I think is good. That's a good... But it was just very specific, like, bring pen and paper. Like, I just was scribbling in this last meeting all these things I was supposed to be doing. And so Mm -hmm. when I got home, I had a lot of stress, just like you, about, like, okay, okay, so I have to do this thing. And now I have to do this right, and if I don't... 
If I do don't, this right, you feel like your life is just going to crumble. Fall apart. Yeah. Crumble in your early 20s. Yeah. And yeah, gosh, yeah, it was such a weird transition. And um, then I guess I came back to Provo and moved in with Felicia. And so <clears throat> a huge bond that we had because she had taken me under her wing was the church. And so, of course, I jumped right back into the ward. She helped me meet everyone. Got a calling as gospel doctrine teacher. I'd play viola. I'd sing. Super involved in everything. And then I've been trying to think lately, especially for this. Like, I don't know what set off my doubts. I'd been home six months. Mm-hmm. And maybe the essays or something. But I can't remember how it got on my radar. But um, the book of Abraham really disturbed me. Like, that just has always been an issue for me since yeah. day one. And then I had read about the Kinderhook plates. Yeah. And I'm thinking, okay, so Joseph Smith is like, oh for 2. <laughs> and then we're supposed to believe the the one that we don't the, even have. Yeah. First it's the one that we do have. Every, every evidence, every yeah. physical proof we've had has been proven wrong. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And then, yeah, we're supposed to accept on faith the one that got taken back up in heaven. Got taken back. But that, so that's like, totally what? correct. Yeah. And I've told you before, you've been there when I've told people, like, I was on, I was just on the steps of my house, just, mm-hmm. like, the stairs up to my room, and I sat down and just got into, like, a total wormhole of reading that stuff. And, like, hours had passed, like, to the point where Felicia came home from work, and I was just so discombobulated. I'm like, okay. And that was kind of, like, how you had your first faith faith crisis. It wasn't a crisis because it didn't last long, but it was me going, oh, my gosh, I don't know about this stuff, but then put it away, put it away. Like, we're not going to think about that. Mm -hmm. It's fine. But then, I guess, I don't know, then it turned into summer. I started listening to Mormon stories, like, devouring them. I would listen to them at my office job. And I couldn't stop listening to it. So then in the car, I'd continue it. Then I'd get home and walk Leo. And, like, I would just spend the whole afternoon listening to these stories because then I felt so much less alone. Yeah. It was like, are you kidding? There's other people, like, feeling like this? Yeah. And I was, of course, learning the truths of more historical stuff, which I'd never heard of. Because you don't hear of it as a member. Right. I don't know. Like, yeah, I don't think it's very common. I think Mormon stories is such an easy way for people to find an exit yeah. to the church because, um, well, because for one thing, it's accessible to members. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not, it's not explicitly anti-Mormon. It's not anti-Mormon. I, I, I hate the term anti-Mormon. The term there anti-Mormon. is no anti-Mormon. There's no anti-Mormon. Yeah. There's ex-Mormons, I mean, there's post-Mormons. If there are anti-Mormons, it's like, you know, those, those crazy Pentecostal preachers. That like protest conference. Y- yeah. Right, or, 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 you know, they spread in the South, they're evangelical. Oh, who, okay. Who, yeah. Uh, that, you know, maybe that is anti-Mormon, but but labeling anything that's not towing the church's line, you know, mm-hmm. s- saying the party line is, that's, labeling that as anti-Mormon is so, it's such a misnomer. and It, it, it is a misnomer, and yeah. And it's so damaging. Yeah. It's so damaging, and it's intentional. And it's intentional. Yeah. The same reason that the church calls, uh, says so-called intellectuals and says so-called, that's why, I mean, I, I'm sure you've noticed on the ex-Mormon Reddit, they call mm-hmm. the church TSCC. Yeah. Stands for the, the so-called, so-called church. church. Yeah. yeah. So. The so-called church. And that's just, that's a little commentary using the church's tactic against them. Yeah. Because the church says anything that they don't like, yeah. they say so-called. Wow. Um, 
anyway, uh, and so Mormon stories seems like, you know, I, I would have listened to that as a Mormon, mm-hmm. you know, and then knowing that you're not alone, that's mm-hmm. huge. huge. That speeds up the process or facilitates the process or even makes it possible. Yeah. You know, if I had had someone uh, in my first faith crisis mm-hmm. to bounce ideas off of, mm-hmm. because that, you know, of course, that helped us think about these things so much is, right, right. is having that feedback. I mean, I probably would have left then. Hmm. Maybe. I don't know. It's hard to say. It's impossible to say. Yeah. So you read the CES letter and then... Oh, yeah, and then I read the CES letter. But that was kind of... That was later. I feel like the whole summer was me doing exactly what you said in your segment, like saying I am leaning towards leaving. And I had so many conversations with friends about I'm kind of wanting out, but would never admit that I was already mentally out. So it's just a lot of that, which was just a terrible place to be in emotionally. Like, really can express how horrible that felt. And actually, that bled into the fall. Because I went to therapy all of October, November, and December, and it was pretty much all of this crap. Mm-hmm. Like, it was just trying to work through it and trying to accept that I was leaving it, even though I would, like, never vocalize that. Yeah. And then I want to say it was... I don't know. I don't know when I read the CES letter, but I think that was the nail in the coffin for me. I was sitting at our dining room table and I like I remember how everything like looked like it's just such a strong memory like I remember the sun coming in and I remember just like okay I'm gonna thoroughly read this and the part that really upset me and just set me off into tears was like the map of where Joseph Smith lived and how there was like a Lehigh and all these names and I'm like this is so obvious Mm -hmm. it's so obvious I like kind of fell down on the table I was crying oh god it's just the worst feeling just felt so terrible and I was just like okay this is it I'm done I had also ordered that book rough stone rolling which sat on my nightstand for months I ordered that in October yeah there's a lot of weird stuff in the fall where I was like I can tell looking back now I was like trying so hard to get out but I wouldn't let myself which is why it just that's why I was so depressed and needed therapy because I was two people kind of yeah of course the one foot in one foot out never works like Right. just doesn't work. And you and I have talked about, like, and I told you that person on Exmo Reddit summarized the three stages really well. One, I'm having some doubts about the church, but it's okay. Two, I'm really doubting the church, but I think I can change it from the inside. And three, it's not my responsibility or duty to change the church, and, like, I'm done. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I went through, but it took a really, really, really long time. Yeah. So, yeah, and... Yeah. um. I did meet with my bishop and told him I had doubts and stuff. He never asked for specifics. Mm -hmm. It was mainly just me being upset and me saying, hey, like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. And keep in mind, I was the gospel doctrine teacher. And it was Book of Mormon was our year. Or Mm -hmm. is that how it's arranged? Yeah. And I doubled down. He said, I think this will be good for you. I think this will increase your faith. I remember by the end of the meeting convincing myself and I was just like, yeah, yeah, I think so too. Feeling so good about it. Yeah. And then I'll always remember like the next lesson I gave at the end. I like, I mean, you're supposed to bear your testimony. And I like opened my mouth and I could, I physically could not say anything about Joseph Smith, the book of Mormon, the church. Yeah. I just said like, I know God loves us or something like that. And that was it. And I sat down and I just knew, I knew in my heart it was the beginning of the end and that something had changed. So then I did go to my bishop and I told him, hey, I don't think I can be 
preaching this kind of thing when I don't really believe it. And he saw how upset I was and he was like, okay. And then he was like rushing into panic mode, like, we'll release you. They released me really quickly. They didn't give me a new calling. He just wanted to like give me space and let me do whatever. And that was the end of my relationship with him. No one ever reached out. I went from being so active in that ward, both in like callings and like the extracurricular stuff mm-hmm. or whatever you call it, like ward choir, yeah. stuff like that, yeah. to like, eh, where is she? Eh, I don't know. Yeah. Which astounds me. Yeah. And this whole time you're depressed and, and yeah. really struggling. Yeah. Like, why didn't anyone go after me? I mean, I think in the course of like a, I haven't gone to church in eight months and I think I've gotten two little notes from the Relief Society. One on a birthday and another one that says, Lauren, I always loved your lessons. Like you were so spiritual or something. I got it a few months ago. I think you were at the house when I got it. And I'm just like, okay. But. Uh, Yeah, I mean, and they meant well, I'm sure. But that's such a misguided thing to say. Then what do I do? And it's an an uncomfortable thing to you know, I, I don't know. I mean, they're not prepared. They're not trained. They're no, not trained. The no, Relief no, Society no. is not trained no, to deal with someone who's going through a like faith that. crisis, yeah. and neither is anyone. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they should be. The, the bishop should have known better, should have done better. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I don't know, made me think of the parable, the 90 and 9, mm, right? Yeah. Uh, you're the one, lost yeah. sheep. Yeah. And I don't know, Jesus didn't say to go to give them space. <laughs> 